0: health at every size, and body liberation. This episode of Intuitive Bites podcast is brought to you by my online intuitive eating courses. Take your food and body healing journey to the next level with these self-paced online courses. If you're brand new to this topic, check out my Introduction to Intuitive Eating course. If you're looking for something more comprehensive that talks about body image healing, health at every size, and intuitive eating, check out my Food Freedom 101 course. And if you're a professional in this space looking to learn more about how to do this work with your clients, but also how to do this work for yourself, check out my Anti-Diet Approach course for professionals. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Intuitive Bites. Hey guys, welcome to episode 68 of Intuitive Vites. Today I'm chatting with Michelle Vienabaltis, who you may know from Instagram as Michelle Baltzis underscore coach, and we're talking about the role of ageism in body acceptance work, and we're also talking about just finding joyful movement throughout the lifespan. Michelle has a lot of great insight into this topic, and she also is running an awesome group Um, specifically surrounding the idea of finding joyful movement throughout the lifespan. So highly recommend checking that out if that's of interest to you. Um, I also want to let you guys know before we dive into this episode about my five-week group coaching program that I'm starting in just a couple short weeks. Um, So this is A like I said, five-week intuitive eating group coaching program. It's going to include weekly Zoom calls uh, for one hour on Fridays from 11 to 12 Eastern time. And it also is going to include a 30-minute individual session for everyone in the group somewhere throughout those five weeks. Um, and it'll also include access to a, f- a private Facebook group where everyone can interact, ask, ask questions, answer prompts, um, share what's going on for them um, as we go through the 10 principles of intuitive eating in our sessions. So we're not only going to talk about what are these each of these principles, um, but we're also going to talk about how do you actually apply them? What tools can you utilize to apply these on your journey so that you can you know, take the next step in your journey to finding food and body healing. So if you're interested in this program, um, you can register for it by going to the link in my bio on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at the intuitive underscore RD click the link in my bio. It'll be the first link. Um, It'll just say five week intuitive eating group coaching program. And you'll sign up through there. If you apply the code, 10 off, you'll get $10 off the full price, which is $199 for all five weeks. All right, guys, that is all I have for you right now. Uh, Let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Michelle. All right, Michelle, we are recording, we're good to go. I would love to just have you introduce yourself and a bit about the work you do and maybe like how you got into this space.
1: Hi, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I got into this space because, uh, like many people who do this work, uh, I struggled with food and body image for, for me, it was decades uh, before finding intuitive eating and, you know, discovering that freedom with food in my body. Uh, And now I work with women, uh, mostly who are in midlife, who are transitioning out of dieting and trying to really just put diet culture behind them and who are really in the midst of, you know, that enough, that alone is enough of a change, but they're also going through changes of that midlife brings, you know, their body is changing, their attitude about life is changing. So it's a pretty upside down time for people uh, during midlife. So it's nice for them to have that additional support.
0: Yeah, I love that. I feel like part of my perception of this is, you know, guided by the fact that I do most of my work through like Instagram and social media, but, um, and it's just like the population that naturally goes to Instagram. But I feel like, you know, the intuitive eating, um, movement has kind of been more recently centered around, you know, the younger generation. And a lot of the clients I end up working with are, you know, twenties, thirties, um, and, you know, I guess that's helpful because I'm, I'm in that age range, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many women who've been dieting for literally decades. Right. And like, there's yeah. so much need in that population. So I was really just like interested to see that that's kind of like the pri- primarily who you're working with. And I'm excited to hear more about that population.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes me happy because, uh, you know, it is true that a lot of people that are getting into this now, you know, coming out of diet culture are on the younger side, but there are plenty of people who aren't Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: they feel very underrepresented because what they're faced with on most social media platforms are younger people who have, you know, I don't know, they could be in their 20s or 30s, like you said, or even younger, but they don't have those decades of, you know. Disordered eating stacked up, you know, so it's, you know, and most of the P pe- a lot of people that are doing this work, you know, RDs, coaches, therapists who are doing this are younger, yeah. and uh, are thinner. Yeah, and so you know, and also they're white. Uh, so it's, it's a very, for a woman coming into this who may not be any of those things, they want to see themselves represented and they don't often see that. So I'm really happy to be, (laughs) I feel like the poster child, you know, on some level for, for midlife women who are really looking to break away because, you know, they see that it can be done. And, uh, that, you know, for me, like I said earlier, it was, Literally decades of uh, from my earliest memory of binging was at age five. So I probably, probably wasn't until my mid forties where I started to feel like there's a possibility, you know. Or I really it was 2012, and then like I really don't think I fully embraced intuitive eating till I was around 45, uh, you know ish, and I'm 54 now. So that's a really long time to be disordered, eating, you know, to be in the throes of disordered eating. So while I don't like to say if I can do it, anyone can do it because there's ickiness about, around that, uh, I think that my story can really give hope to a lot of people because they see that, you know, it's possible to uh, recreate beliefs at any age you know, and I believe that really strongly, you know, if you have the right support in place, if you have the willingness in place and there's other things that need to happen too. But I think having an open heart and a mind is, is a huge piece of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing this work as well. And I think, um, yeah, it just seems, it seems so necessary. And as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about how, um, the first thing that came to my mind was like, that I feel like you know, women in midlife or folks in, in midlife might be positioned really in, in a great spot to do this work um, because there's this like amount of like realizing how like seeing the patterns of dieting and seeing the, you know, the rise and the fall, the on the wagon, the off the wagon, you see that pattern and you're like, oh, wow. Like when, and you, when you can see it um, from that vantage point, I feel like it might be, you know, you, you can see a lot. You can, um, I don't know, realize a lot about that pattern. Uh, but also the, the challenge I feel like as well is that with so many, with decades of disordered eating and, and kind of being attached to this pattern of dieting, that's really hard to give up, right? Like there's so much identity maybe like connected to that.
1: Yeah, 150,000% agree <laughs> with you. Uh, I, I think you make an excellent point. And on the flip side of that, I think that midlife is an opportunity. That That's really how I see it. It's really an invitation or an opportunity to try things you haven't tried before and uh i see it as per- my my whole story about midlife is permission you know which fits beautifully with intuitive eating because that's what it's all about is permission and you know among other things obviously but permission yes. to eat permission to let your body do what it's going to naturally do yes. you know all of that and and the whole other you know bank full of other things but you know it's do you really want to you're faced with do i want Want the second half of my life to be fraught with worrying about calories, points, you know, macros, reps, all of this stuff that is so exhausting, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then tack that on to what you said is like that, you know, they have all of this and it's like they could see the patterns. Yeah. So they they add that to is this the really, is this really the way I want to continue going along on this cycle for the latter part of my life?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: for me, it was like, hell no. <laughs> I have better things to do with my time, with the precious time that is remaining. And God willing, it'll be many, many years. But I just wanted to have to experience more joy in my life. And for me, I also had a young child. My son is 19 now. Mm-hmm. But in 2012, when I was sort of introduced to all of this, it was, he was young. You know, and I was showing him my disordered eating all over the place Mm -hmm. and my body dissatisfaction. And I was seeing it was having an impact on him. He was very stressed around eating. And I'm certain, while I'm not going to blame myself entirely because he is obviously around other individuals too, but I think for me at home, there were so many things that led me to wanting this change so desperately, you know, aside from me just being sick and tired of not being able to sit down and have a meal joyfully because I was always so stressed to watching my son sort of going in that direction and then not, and that not being okay with me,
0: (laughs) you know, I was like,
1: this is not going to go into another generation if I have anything to say about it.
0: Yes, I feel like that's I, I that's a motivator I hear from, you know, many women with children and I always think that that's it just is interesting to me because I think that um it's interesting that the the thing like the last straw that gets them to like, you know, give me a call or, or someone or work with mm-hmm. somebody on this is that they they don't want their children to be affected by it. It's not it's not them and their joy and their um their self care, that's like the last straw. I don't know, for some reason, that just like, you know, sits with me. um, Yeah, about their kids, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's a responsibility of a parent,
1: I think, to set the best example possible. Mm -hmm. Keeping in mind, of course, that we're all human, and we all make Mm -hmm. mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that to me is part of, part of the parenting book you know uh, that you have to create for yourself but you know I at that point when I in quotes stumbled upon the intuitive eating book which I don't believe it always you know happened by accident uh, I you know was introduced to something that could be different and it was like really I don't know if this is gonna in quotes work for me but the fact that it was out there kind of made me more curious that it's is is it possible to have freedom you know it got me curious enough and because of my son and everything else that was happening in my life I was motivated enough to get support because I wanted it I was like I want this you know and and so I did what I had to do and I was very fortunate that I was able to do that and that I had the willingness to do it you know, I had the resources to yes. do that, which
0: is an incredible blessing. And I, every single day I recognize that. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Um, Michelle, I want to transition and ask you a little bit about like the work that you you do with your clients and specifically, uh, I'm curious about, you know, body image and self-worth in this population. And, um, you know, the way that we kind of discussed it before pressing record is, you know, this idea of like ageism and how that impacts somebody's body image and self worth. So, if you could just speak to that a bit, I'm very curious.
1: Sure. Uh, you know, ageism is alive and well, as many of the other isms are in this country, unfortunately, <laughs> and many other countries. Uh, you know, but ageism is is really very uh, it 's hard because, as the other ones are too i 'm not I'm not diminishing any of the isms, uh, but it, you know many women, especially midlife and beyond, feel like they become invisible you know and then com- it 's compounded with the fact that for many, not all, but many women, their bodies begin to change as they are supposed to, Mm -hmm. because our, you know, 50-something bodies are not supposed to look like our 20 and 30-something bodies, and that's natural, and part of that is protective, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially the, uh, the middle changes, the abdomen, the hips, things like that, and all of that is designed, the body is designed perfectly to manage the changes that are occurring in the body. And so the work I do really helps to educate women around that and helping them to understand how their body truly is their ally. It is not their foe. And when they start to really understand what's happening hormonally, and the reason why some of these shifts are happening on the outside and obviously on the inside, and what the inside is causing to happen on the outside, they can really uh, face these changes with a lot more courage and resilience and understanding, and most importantly, compassion. That the compassion hat, you know is necessary because without it, man, is it? It's a rough ride, <laughs> you know. And that's for anybody at any age, but anyone going through this work, compassion has to be in the back pocket it's got to be the co-pilot at all times because this is not easy work and it's really you're confronting beliefs that it you know could have been there for decades you know and Mm -hmm. that's not easy you know uh so it's hard but it's 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 also wonderful at the same time Mm -hmm. and you get to recreate your life and your beliefs, and that's pretty damn
0: cool. (laughs) (laughs) Sure is, yeah. I feel like even just, like, as you were speaking, like, the idea of learning that body changes in menopause or perimenopause later in life are normal and expected and, like, protective like that learning that alone whereas the normal language is you know how to get rid of your belly fat at the yes. thing, right like that alone yes. that, that idea is like gotta be like whoa
1: <laughs> yeah and it puts a lot of pressure on women to stay in that dieting cycle and so as you well know as an RD education is a huge part of this because You like to think that when people become aware of what is actually happening in their bodies, they have a much better understanding. And again, then they can be like, okay, I get it. You know, and some will still fight it, which is understandable because we know that this is, again, you know, mourning that thin ideal or mourning the body that they possibly used to have and, and their body just isn't that way well anymore. It's not easy. You know, changes are, can be difficult to embrace. But I still think the education piece is so huge in uh, the acceptance, you know, in moving toward acceptance, that is a process. It's not like you switch you switch switch it on and off. You know, right. acceptance is, is a is definitely a process and for some it's longer than others. But at least if you're on the path, you have a much better chance of reaching, you know, some sort of satisfaction with your body.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like that that'll that's also like an area when you're kind of working on the body acceptance and appreciation piece is like understanding, or like, I guess like redefining your expectations of what the journey looks like and what the quote unquote end point is, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like there are so many expectations around that. And there's in alongside that when there's expectations of how it should look or feel or whatever, then there's, you know, discouragement with, well, why am I having this thought pop up? And this must yeah. mean I'm not doing enough, you know? Right,
1: right. Yeah, and I, I share with my clients a lot. It's not the thoughts that, you know, that become problematic. It's the actions that follow, you yeah. know? So getting rid of diet culture or moving out of that that model that, again, there's no light switch here with that. You know, this is a process. You know, I've been out of that for a long time, and I still get thoughts. And yeah. I, But I've learned, number one, not to beat myself up for them because I know it's completely natural. Yes. But the most important thing for me and what I always share with my clients is that are you then changing your behavior because you've got a thought about it? Or are you just like, okay, that thought sucked, and <laughs> I'm just going to move on. And I know, most importantly – who is talking? Who is that talking to me? And that generally is diet culture. And it goes right. the same for a midlife woman, you know, moving toward trying to move their body within terms of exercise. I tr- I prefer to call it movement because sometimes exercise is a very loaded word for people. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I need to, I, my doctor tells me I need to move my body. But every time I think about exercise or movement, I, I'm paralyzed with fear because all I do is associate it with you know, losing weight and changing my body in some way. So it triggers them right back into diet mentality. And so what do they do? They don't do anything. Or they do very, very little. Because again, anything where they are like sort of striving for more than that, diet mentality kicks back in for them. So it's really, it's hard.
0: It's it's very hard for them. And it's like normal at that point to like have that rebellious, like, nope, I don't want, I'm not going to do it at all. Like what, what you said, like they, they reject it. They move in the other direction and they don't do anything. And then they're like, and then they beat themselves up themselves up. I, I, I imagine for, you know, just staying stagnant. It's like, well, I know it'd be good for me if I did it, but you know, I right. just can't get myself to. So I'm yep. curious for you to speak more to that, like predicament.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it really is quite a, a catch 22 situation, you know, and while it kicks up the diet mentality, you know, they're being told by their doctors that they need to do something because, you know, hypothetically their A1C was slightly elevated or they have a history of heart disease and they're, you know, again, as the estrogen is dropping, it's not atypical for cholesterol to increase. So, you know, these are some some metabolic issues that are happening in their bodies and then they get all stressed out because, again, the thought of movement is like, uh uh-uh, not doing it. And I agree with you 100% that there needs to be some separation especially for most people when they're leaving diet culture behind and dieting because they really just need to work on recovery and the other areas with their food and start to develop that body trust that has been destroyed from dieting right so they do need that recovery time from that but then what happens is when that piece when that part passes and they feel like they're ready to move their bodies because they want to, they don't know what to do because they're like I'm still they're still coupling it with the weight loss and they've never had any other kind of relationship with movement so for them it's like okay I really have I really want to do this but I don't know where to start and there's still resistance the exercise resistance comes up a lot with my clients so it's really understanding what's going on under the covers there Mm -hmm. and addressing those points of resistance so that they can start to develop this relationship with movement not much different than their relationship with food where it becomes a let's get to know each other type of a thing and you kind of you personify movement so you see it as a relationship where relationships need to be nurtured There needs to be compassion, there needs to be uh, compromise, there needs to be attention, you know, and many other things too, but uh, they don't just, you know, if you just put them in the corner and don't do anything with them, they don't, they don't flourish you know, they just kind of die out. So that is, you know, helping people to personify it in that way has made a tremendous difference for my clients. And they're like, oh, and then they think about other things that they've developed relationships with. Like one client was excited because she was thinking, oh, well, I have this relationship with knitting and crocheting. Mm -hmm. And she said in the beginning, it was really hard for me. She's like, but then like, we kind of got like together, and again, making it like, like it's a person, you know, and she says, now my relationship with crocheting is amazing, and I look to do it for joy, and it's fun, and it's, it's just this beautiful relationship for her that she developed over time, you yeah. know, so it's, like um, that. and I'm not talking about running marathons, of course, if that's what somebody wants to do, Go for it! I'm talking about just basic intuitive movement, moving your body in a way that feels good for you, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: uh, not doing it with all of that baggage of, I have to do this many reps, I have to do this many miles, I have to burn this many calories, and then I'm going to see X result. You know,
0: uh, letting
1: all of that noise. Just put on a pair of sneakers and go for a walk. It doesn't have to be an event, you know, it just move your body or do whatever. If a walk doesn't, isn't appealing to you, do something else, you know? Uh, But the women that I'm working with a lot of times and younger people too, it's like even the thought of like doing that with intention completely turns them off. They're like, nope, not doing it.
0: Yes. Yeah. There's that, that resistance. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I feel like one of the most useful, like, just like prompts or, or reflections I, I give to clients around movement is like, if you knew for a hundred percent certain that your body wasn't going to change, there were going to be no results at the end of of um, the movement, like what what would that change about what types of movement you're engaging in for how absolutely. long,
1: you know, absolutely. I agree. And that's the magic question. It's would you still want And people? Are, how do you know if it's intuitive? You know, and I'm always like, well, the magic question to ask yourself is would I still like or want to do this? If it wasn't going to change my body, my appearance or my weight, that's yeah. the magic question. And if you can answer both that and say, yeah, I think I'd still love it you're in the intuitive mode, <laughs> you know, it's so simple, but
0: it's, it's helpful.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think also having like, you know, what I call realistic, you know, goals in terms of like, I want to build up my upper body strength and, you know, my sort of marker there was, can I like take hypothetically like three grocery bags from my, my SUV <laughs> in the garage up mm-hmm. the stairs to my, my kitchen without huffing and puffing and without needing help. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, and over time, I was like, Oh, yes, I can do this. And that felt really good for me. But it wasn't, again, something that I tried to do the first day. Yeah, <laughs> You know, uh, but it wasn't like, Oh, well, I want to be all cut. I want my arms to be way. <laughs> it was, I really want to be able to do this, you know, yeah. and so that was my my small little goal. But it felt really good when I was able to achieve it.
0: Yeah. And I love that, um, that example as well, because I feel like there are many people in the boat of, nope, I've never enjoyed movement. I don't enjoy any kind of movement. Like, you know, for whatever reason, they they really deeply hold that belief. And I think for for those people, sometimes it's helpful to consider, well, you know, I, I don't know if you are interested in engaging in movement, like why, what is the, what is the purpose behind that for you? Like, what is yeah. behind that desire? Whether it's because you want to carry in the groceries or you want to yeah. be able to go for a walk and not feel, you know, winded, whatever that is. And uh-huh. in that way, like, maybe the the movement doesn't have to be the most joyful, awesome, amazing thing, but it's serving a purpose that aligns with your values and aligns with supporting you. You know, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, I I agree, and I do think it's important to know, you know, how you want to feel. And, uh, you know, like you said, just like, a, 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 does this align, you know, is this aligned with where you're in the direction that you're headed in, you know, and and to me, it's just so important to keep in mind that it doesn't, there's no such thing as perfect. And I, I'm so into it all counts, you know, and in quotes, it counts, you know, uh, you know, gardening is is movement. You know, anything you're doing is, is movement and nothing should be discounted because I think that's the trap people also fall into is, oh, that's not movement. I didn't sweat or I didn't do it for long enough. Or again, all of that, all those rules stop people from doing stuff.
0: Right. You know,
1: they just it stops them in their tracks. Well, I don't have an hour. I'm like, who needs an hour? (laughs) Right. Who who needs who has an hour? You know, you don't need an hour. Maybe do ten minutes in the morning and ten minutes in the afternoon. Whatever works, the point is it can be unique to you. And I always say some is better than none. Yes. Some is better than none. And you know, and because if you're focused on how you feel you're not going to be thinking, oh, I didn't get in my whole hour today, because that's getting into numbers again, yes. and that, that's that's like you're headed for diet mentality again.
0: Yes, that's not based on what how your body's feeling and what it needs. Exactly. So shift. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's again, always
1: tuning into your body, and how does it feel when you're able to do hypothetically, you know, just a few minutes, you know, does that give you a little bit of a buzz, you know, yes. do you feel like your heart is moving, do you feel like your blood is pumping? fabulous that's great you know (laughs) if at some point you want to make it 10 minutes that's great too but it's just that habit it's keeping it smooth and not all rigid because Mm -hmm. the rigidity is what's keeping people from not doing it or doing it with anxiety (laughs) that's not fun and that's not joyful you know uh so no thanks
0: yes oh I love that uh, Michelle, I would love for you to just like speak right to the person who this episode is is resonating with and like just your advice for that person in this moment um, as to like how they might be able to get more support with this right now.
1: Well, you know, I mean, one of the things is keep listening to podcasts for sure (laughs) uh, because I think that they're a great source of information and uh, you get to hear all different, you know, viewpoints, which is really important. Uh, Mm -hmm. Personally, I, you know, I have now... uh, a joyful movement at last program that i am just i just finished piloting so if someone is interested in they are wanting to move their body again but they're really afraid or have slipped back into diet mentality anytime they've really tried it and they know that they have a lot they're facing a lot of exercise resistance this program will help to address that because uh, that's that's its purpose you know and the purpose of it is not to have you running a marathon like i talked about before. <laughs> it's really just to get underneath all of that stuff that people are carrying around with them and it, it opens them up to what are the reasons why and then to, to sort of very gently confront them in a compassionate way so that, you know, they can move in that direction, you know. Uh, mm. And I have a lot of great resources in the program to uh, have quite a few uh, hayes aligned uh, fitness trainers that I've uh, I'm working with that offer, you know, programs, uh, they'll do routines and things like that very specified for a particular person's uh, concerns. Uh, and that includes like knee problems, shoulder injuries, you know, things like that. They can work around that. So this program will really help people to, to address that resistance, you know, and, uh, like perfectionism, self sabotaging, all of those little things that are not so little that come out in a big way when people are looking to try something new, you know. Uh, and it does it with worksheets and just, you know, and I have a Facebook group so people can go for encouragement and just to cheer each other on. And it's really fun. Oh, that's Love awesome. Them. That sounds amazing. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited about it. And I'm excited because the pilot program did so well and the women. We're like, this is exactly what I needed to get oh. my booty in gear, you know? Yes. Uh, so it's a nice compliment to work that people are doing with their RD or with their coach. It's just a nice thing to augment that work that's already being done, you know? And that's what I like about it. It's not like so intrusive where it takes over. Right. It's just like a little thing on the side where people can like read it, take it in, do some worksheets and kind of like contemplate it, you know? And that's... That's that's how that's how it happens. Is the curiosity, you know, people yes. get curious about things and they start to observe themselves more, and that's when the magic happens.
0: Oh, totally. That is it for sure, uh, Michelle. Where can people find you online, and just yeah, where are all the places that that they can get your work from?
1: Well, uh, my website is my name, so it's uh, www.michellevenabaltzis, and I'm on Instagram. Michelle Vina Baltz's underscore coach. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook. I have a really fun uh, Facebook group called the No Diet Sisterhood. And then, of course, if someone joins the uh, the Joyful Movement at Last program, they also get admission to the Joyful Movement at Last. Uh, that's a
0: whole separate group just for that. Oh, that's awesome. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah. thank you so much for your time, Michelle. Thank you so much, Kirsten. All right, guys, that is a wrap on episode 68 of Intuitive Bites. If you want to hear more from Michelle, go check her out on Instagram at MichelleVinabaltis underscore coach, or go to her website, MichelleVinabaltis.com. From there, you'll be able to find out more about her programs and her offerings. Um, And if you're interested in that five-week group coaching program that I'm running, all about intuitive eating... Um, again, you can go to the link on my bio on Instagram. My handle is at the intuitive underscore RD and you can register for it there. All right, guys, I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you soon.